Hello, you found the Texas Steampunk Connection, your source for all things steampunk in the great free state of Texas. We have adventures. We review books, movies, and games. We interview cool people, and we share upcoming events. And we ask the all-important question, is it steampunk? What is steampunk? I'm Flavio. I'm Erica. And I'm Fax. <laughs> we are your hosts. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Texas, Texas Steampunk Connection. Hello, this is Texas Steampunk Connection 3.0, episode 5. Hello. Look at that. In two weeks, we're on time. Hooray. <laughs> Hot diggity. But last week, we were talking about our goth friends and Frankenstein in general. No, oh, well, before we get to that, I want to bring up a Kickstarter. We yeah. haven't talked about Kickstarters in a while. This we is true. And I've already and I've got two those. Kickstarters sitting there on the table <laughs> that are actually pretty that cool. That have fulfilled. Yeah. I'm mentioning this Kickstarter because if you've been listening to us from first season we interviewed a guy named steve metz mm-hmm. who is a uh, rpg writer, writer mm-hmm. and a novelist and uh, he, made he, a, he made a card game that we played yeah we talked about that and, card game and he's got a cartoon on facebook or right comic strip, uh, comic comic strip. strip on facebook and right now he has a kickstarter going on it just started this week for the book of nine scribes a cthulhu based spell book this is an amazing piece of art, this book. This is the second Kickstarter he's done. I participated in the first one and got his, his previous Necronomicon-style book. Right, and it was gorgeous, right? Uh, it, it's amazing. It's, it's hand-bound in uh, goat leather, handmade paper that he, he's, he's uh, written on. I, I don't think he hand-writes every book, because that's crazy. But <laughs> like he, he hand-wrote... The book, and then had it printed right. from his his writing. So it's not like on the fancy paper and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this one is is going to be this uh, similar. Look him up on on Kickstarter, Book of Nine Scribes by Steve Metz M E T Z E, and he can describe the book far better than than we can. But if you're on, in, on, the, on the Kickstarter page, right, he has a little video. It looks like right, right. right. Yeah. But if you're into Call of Cthulhu or H.P. Lovecraft or just want to see a really freaking cool looking spell book check him out that and and you can go back to our first season i think it's episode four we interviewed him yeah it about, was a long time ago about other projects he was working on at the time he's he's really pro- prolific he's got a lot of stuff to check out definitely worthwhile yeah, i think he has more time on his hands now because he just retired from the army i think oh uh, that's right <laughs> lucky bastard <laughs> so congratulations on that Steve, if you're listening. I just wanted to kick that out there before we, we get into uh, today's show. Sure, if we're going to do shout-outs, I'm going to shout-out. In case you, if, for your subscribers, I, I don't know if you noticed, but last week I released another episode, but it was not Texas Steampunk Connection. What? Yeah. No. It was Moonlighting. A, it was a sneak preview of another podcast that I've been putting together and kind of, I'm, I'm in it, but not so much because that's not my main goal. I'm producing it, editing it. And all that kind of stuff, and um, it, it's a it was a fun little comedy that I put out there. It's only about fifteen minutes long. You're in it, aren't well, you? Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not the main character. I'm just a side character. My main job is is producing and, and editing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a little comedy. It's about fifteen minutes long. Check it out if you want. Let me know how, what you think. You know, that wasn't that wasn't the well. I wanted to say that wasn't going to be the final product because I might have to do some re-editing on it, but. <laughs> It, it sounds like, I mean, it, it was a sneak preview, so. 
hope you enjoy. We're working we're working on more episodes, and they'll be coming out before the end of the year. Congratulations on on the new project and, and yeah. getting it started up. Yeah, that That's was my one. that was one of my goals for that I that I mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of the year. And the second goal was I was going to go to different conventions or at least another convention with steampunk involved. And it turns out I'm going to Dragon Con. <laughs> and there's a big steampunk track at Dragon Con. There's a ball d- done by the Darling DJ Duo, which are the they do the Clockwork Cabaret podcast. You've talked about them before yep. on previous shows. And they're going to be there. They're going to be. They're going to put on. The, they're going to do be DJing there at a ball and everything. And I, I hope I get to meet them in person and say hi. Um, sure. We. I ran their. I think I ran. I, I run their um, promo on our on our on our podcast here, and mm-hmm. they've run they've run ours. I've I've heard them. So you know, I'm hoping to meet them in person. Nice. Cool. And um, I think yeah. Any other announcements that we need to make? Then I, I think that's it for now. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's get into it. Uh, if you had been listening last week, we talked about uh, the goth culture and movement that sort of steampunk came from in, in many aspects, not necessarily in every way the, the steampunk literature movement did, was sort of different, but right. we've sort of... The, 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 it, the it, people, it, the culture. Right, right. Steampunk is gossip found brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as you may have heard, uh, or, I guess. or you know, or they you know they cheered up. So, <laughs> so we're exploring the roots of steampunk, which in in some in some ways it could be argued is goth or the uh, the gothic scene and culture and their literature that have become sort of staples. Last week we talked about uh, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And this week, I thought we would talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, before we do that, I want to mention that we did get a—we actually got a Twitter, or we got tweeted at, however that works, <laughs> yeah, about Frankenstein. This is actually from Steampunk Dollhouse, which is another podcast friend of ours, and uh, she basically tweeted at us: uh, "Listen, listen to your latest episode. I'm glad you covered Frankenstein. One thing for you to consider: Mary Shelley was pregnant when she wrote the book. She had already given birth to a girl who died soon after." And her own mother died within days of her birth. The general consensus is that much of the book encapsulates her fears surrounding childbirth. I that's heard one that way to before. look at it. Yeah, that's a I different way of looking before. at it. She breaks down books and stuff in her podcast, and she's getting a doctorate. Maybe a doctorate is a doctorate. And she's 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 studying. She's studying. She's a librarian, and she's she's going to school. She's she, she, she knows, knows what she's talking about. Knows way more than we do. So yeah. I assume she must know what she's talking about. So thank you, Blue Stocking, for. Uh, uh, your insights into last week's episode. Mostly just thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Or Thank one you. listener. <laughs> but um, in my head, I'm not really sure how I can connect that. But I mean, because you're, I mean, you're creating another life, I guess. Right. Right. And and, and but and so, but the mon- but but in the in the novel Frankenstein, he doesn't go crazy and mad like in the movies. Not really, does he? Because I never read the book. Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but he's smarter and he's faster and stronger. And, and 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 sort of does he does he get is he sociopathic does he well, kill people or is it or is it the fact that you want to make something better I don't think he he doesn't go on a on a killing rampage that I recall but he clearly is I mean he's very cold and mm-hmm. has no terrible uh, concerns over the life or death of Doctor Frankenstein well how's Doctor but what is what is Doctor Frankenstein how does he feel toward his creation. Um, he's horrified by it. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know. It's like, horrified I think, by his I'm, newfound powers I'm, and and what he's able to create and what his creation means for the world. The closest I can figure is that you know you're bringing life into this world, 
you right. know, and you're hoping for something better for them, <laughs> for this well, life that yeah. you brought in, kind of thing. And but I don't def I don't get that sort of mentality from from Frankenstein. Hmm. And maybe well, I, I mean maybe, maybe I'm the just fact well, I mean, seeing it. Well, I mean, okay, the girl who her 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 child died soon after. Her mother died after her birth. Maybe it's like I don't know something horrible happened. I don't know. I'm, 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 well, I mean, Miss Blue Stocking, please explain a little bit more, please. Thank you. <laughs> maternal mortality was a lot higher uh, in previous days, except in Texas. Texas is catching up with the olden days very oh, quickly. But yeah, maternal mortality was a big problem. You know, women would get sepsis and die in childbirth or shortly after childbirth. So very often, I suppose, in, in that time, you were trading a life for a life. Maybe. Like I said, okay, it's a, yeah, so steampunk, um, blue stocking, can you elaborate, please? Because I'm curious. I'm really am curious. interesting point of view that should be explored more. I, I'd really never, never considered that. So that's interesting. None of us are parents, obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. There's a reason for that. I read Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it turns out. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna move on to Dracula. Dracula. Yes. Oh man, there's um, so much about Dracula. I never. I, I, once again, I never had to read the book. I never got around to it. It's a long book. It's a sick book. So uh, I thought Bram Stoker's Dracula from 19. I don't remember what it was. The movie. The movie. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Follows very closely to the uh, the novel. Okay. Uh, I, the Gary for, Oldman for, right uh, version. For practical purposes, you, you can say if if you've. Uh, Watch the movie. You've got a pretty good idea of where the the plot points go, right? Okay. So, spoilers. If you haven't <laughs> seen that movie or heard of Dracula, yeah, wow. There, there's just a, a ton we can talk about on this uh, on this topic. Vampires were were not not something Bram Stoker made up, right? He had tales of vampirism back to the middle ages or earlier i'm sure but the vampires legends from the middle ages are very different oh definitely um there's a there's a, there's a podcast called lore i believe he has an episode about the origins of vampire what did he have to say <laughs> you two both listen at lore this point i can't remember exactly all he said but I, it was really interesting when i listened to it <laughs> okay oh uh, i recommend lore what <laughs> i recall not from lore but from uh you know, previous study, uh, vampire legends told of uh, a spirit that would that would seduce women and de- deflower them, or, or uh, you know, take advantage of them. Sometimes sneaking through windows, kind of like a succubus incubus legend. Obviously, there were the vampires that would come back from the dead. So big fear of that. That's why they they, they, they had to, things like bells. I don't know whether or not somebody got out of that coffin. Well, they would they would cut off your head and shove a piece yep, of garlic in your mouth and cut out your heart. You know all the things the Bram Stoker capitalized on because they were afraid of people coming back from the dead, and people were afraid of being buried alive. That is something that definitely happened during the Victorian period. That's why the bells were there, right? So you could ring, <laughs> ring to be let up if it was inconvenient to stay down there. I, I also heard or read somewhere that they had these sort of resting houses. Where they would take the the presumably deceased, but not really no, sure, to keep an and eye just on sort them. of lay lay around for a little while, and just make sure before they 
put them in the box and threw them in the ground. That makes sense because digging holes is really exhausting. <laughs> what can you imagine being an attendant at the at the dead house? That's not a not a job I would want to put on my resume. <laughs> no, I'd uh, be kind of cool. I've also heard like German legends, of course, because German legends are crazy. They describe vampires as not only the Walking Dead, but uh, disemboweled and they having wrapped their own intestines around their head like a wreath and then go from house to house seducing women. Sexy. (laughs) Damn. I want a man that can wrap his intestines around his head. So that's... Wow. That's crazy (laughs) stuff. I mention these things because uh, it seems that Bram Stoker not only... He he pulled from these, these sources, but he really created a monster and a character that was new that was similar to these legends but uh, encapsulated his own thing that he called dracula that he called a vampire that we have since taken as you know this is this is the vampire this is uh, where where the rest of us started from right 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 that's a, that's our main our main point of reference is this is you know the the guy in the cape that sucks your blood and Right, right. Um, has control turns over it turns into a bat and whatnot. Has control over nat- natural forces. He commands wolves and bats, and in some movies, armadillos. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Is this yeah. a Texas vampire? <laughs> no, it's like an old black and white vampire movie. I think it was uh, uh, Nosferatu, nineteen twenty-two. Mm-hmm. In the castle, they had lots of sp- spooky creatures. And you can still see armadillos. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> so, shout out to Nosferatu, Max Schreck as Count Orlock. There's a tons of movies made about vampires, kind of as a result of Brown Stalker. I went to Wikipedia and they just, you know, scroll yeah. on and on so and on. So many. I can't even begin to talk about all these either Dracula movies or other movies about vampires. Right. Well, Dracula is also based on a on a real guy. Correct. You know, right. Um, he was like he was he would what, stake he would put people's heads on stakes and stuff to uh, he, protect his country, trying to like putting boundaries. Uh, he was he, bloodthirsty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mm. uh, he would impale people. Yeah. On stakes, on poles, and then sit around and laugh at them <laughs> while they died. He he was a a freaky freaky guy too. So. Uh, Bram Stoker actually, yeah, I mean, he had lots of stuff to work with, um, but I don't think, I don't think Vlad Dracul was, I, I don't know of any legends of him being a vampire until Bram Stoker created him as a vampire. Right. No, he was just a he. he was just a, when he was alive. I think they they were more like you know he's in league with Satan and and that sort of thing because. He's this ruler of this tiny <laughs> country crazy, that's trying crazy. to hold its own against, you know, the the Ottoman Empire. So he had to sort of make himself, you know, don't don't mess with my country and me because I'm crazy. I drink blood. I put people on sticks. I'm I'm a badass. And so it was kind of a PR stunt to just sort of. It's called building your your. Uh, your brand brand right it was, it was you know to make people terrified of invading his country as as a way to sort of psych him out before he actually had to take his relatively small army to battle against these huge right so he, troops yeah definitely trying to build fear in the enemy yeah but i i think by all accounts he really was insane as well but 
we're not talking about him. Right. We're, we're talking about the the character and what what was going through Bram Stoker's mind when he chose the things he chose. What was he trying to create in a monster? What what uh, what fears was he trying to capitalize on in his readership of the time, which would have been early to mid eighteen hundreds? Probably should have done more research. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, but there are during so the, many. Ro- the romantic period, right? Well, because he's obviously, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's always not always, but I mean, unless it's Nosferatu, Nosferatu's are, are shown as being ugly and misfigured. But like well, Bram Stoker's Dracula, you know, he's you know the debonair, good-looking guy. You know. it, he plays both sides, right? When you first meet Dracula, he's an old, uh, decrepit, wrinkled right. person, and as he uh, as he takes more victims, he. Is either is he either gets younger or he's able to shape shift in such a way as to make himself more attractive when he arrives in England, right? Right. So by the time he's he arrives in England, he's a young and attract youngish, attractive aristocrat mm-hmm. who is presenting himself to society. Right. Yeah, a lot of things going on here. Bram Stoker is taking a character from from Prussia, which is sort of mysterious and horrifying and barbaric to the victorian english person i suppose right it's very yeah. very dark it the war-torn a setting and so a setting that's pitting the the prussians against the uh, the middle east which was i think persia is what it was called at the time it was romanian the most famous vampires of course bram stoker's dracula Though those looking for a historical real Dracula often cite Romanian prince Vlad Tepes. Tepes, yeah. Tepes. After whom Stoker is said to have mo- to modeled some aspects of his Dracula character. So is he is he using that that character in that setting uh, because um, there's a certain amount of fear that uh, English people have of that region or the outside world is, is dark and mysterious? Particularly, you know, Eastern Europe. Um, it's possible. Because I, I, I said the character, the characterization of Tepes as a vampire, however, however, is distinctly a Western one. In, right. In Romania, right. he is viewed not as a blood drinking sadist, but as a national hero who defended his empire from the Ottoman Turks. So you know. the, the Ottomans—that's what I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder that Bram Stoker was was uh, capitalizing on a sort of. Uh, Old world versus new world. But sort of a racism. Probably, of, yeah. Of, of Eastern Europeans, of, you know, the same thing that Roma get roped up into at the time. Right. From a English perspective. So that that's interesting. And I think you're right about the old world versus new world in that uh, the, the vampire is, is a legendary monster already. And uh, something that that is fearsome, fearful, uh, people are fearful of. And then uh, his his foil, the guy fighting against him, is going to be um, modern science and medicine. Von Helsing, mm-hmm. the the German scientist, and the if I might say equally mysterious to eighteenth century layperson. The idea of modern medicine and modern science, but 
a mystery that's controlled by learned men, which is which is very much like steampunk, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The, the magic and and power of science controlled by learned men like von Helsing. That that's interesting, right? Bram right. Stoker is making a statement about old world Dracula being the old world and Van Helsing being the new. Yeah, yeah, don't you think? Right. Yeah. And possibly making a political statement regarding the aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Dracula is this titled nobility from the old country who comes to Great Britain and seduces and betrays young women, the flower of English womanhood. But but and the characters but the characters in Bram Stoker in Dracula are also they're aristocratic, right? They're, right. They're titled mm-hmm. uh, families, so they're not like street girls. No, no, no. But I mean, he. I think it's one of those things where you can't say about your own countrymen the sorts of things that you could say about a foreigner. So you oh. can't you you can't say that you know our aristocracy is also likened unto a blood sucking fiend. <laughs> but oh. you can say that the 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 aristocracy of other countries is is uh, monstrous mm. and uh, of no use and draining the populace of something mm. it's an interesting uh um, statement to make consider the the actual Vlad uh, Tepish and the Romanians that even though he was murdering people and draining them of their blood and sopping it up with a biscuit no bs that's a thing yeah, that he did i know, I know. they consider him a hero Right, because he was, he was apparently, doing it on their behalf. Yeah, he was protecting right. them. He know. he was not a drain on society. <laughs> he right. was maintaining society. So it's interesting. Interesting. Right. I think it could also be argued, given the powers that Dracula had, uh, controlling bats and wolves, wolves which you know the English were very afraid of. I think just vermin in general. Vermin. Did he control the weather? I think in some instances, I mean, on who you talk to, he did a little. There was like you can call up a, a thunderstorm. He basically had yeah. control of the untamed wilderness and mm-hmm. and natural forces, I think which dr- which is another thing that people would be afraid of, right? Or they blame it on it's like oh you know like there's like if you have no explanation to it, it must have been a vampire that did it. You know, there's a vampire <laughs> around, run away, you know, kind of thing. If they're scared, they'll come up with a reason to be scared of something. Well. Yeah, right, right. But capitalizing on the people's fear of natural forces out of their control is another reason, I think, that we still talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. and, and why this this book and this monster became a uh, an archetype for us. Yeah, but it's been, an, I mean, it's been an archetype that's been stretched and distorted so much nowadays. Oh, you're you know, right. So many. I mean, the Anne Rice vampires are very romanticized. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, the Anne Rice vampires are basically sort of a uh, symbol of the AIDS epidemic. Um, Tell me more. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got you've got uh, Lestat and Louis, these gorgeous young men, who one gives the other one a bloodborne illness, i.e., vampirism. Oh. And you know they're sexy and beautiful, but once they become oh. vampires, they Oops. can no longer uh, <laughs> function sexually. Um, what really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Y- yeah, I didn't they, know that. Yeah, once once you're undead, you you can't get it up anymore. 
Lestat mentions it a few times. Well, Apparently, it really okay. bothers him. Well, I guess in the Anne Rice vampires, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but all, that's, not all vampires. No, no, no. But right, in, right. In, the, in the Anne Rice uh, milieu, the, the time that she was writing it mm-hmm. and, the, and the time that it became popular what just happened to coincide with uh, the rise of the AIDS epidemic. Okay. And, uh, you know, and at first, when, when AIDS first uh, came on the scene and, and people became aware of it, they didn't know what caused it. They didn't know. I mean, they knew that the that the gays were getting it, but they didn't know anything else about it other than this is the gay, the gay plague, you know. And so it was just this very terrifying thing that was just killing people mysteriously. And lo and behold, it's a bloodborne illness, which ties right in with vampirism. So, uh, you know, and I remember being a teenager during during the AIDS crisis and and basically you know our sex ed in school was if you have sex you will die yeah i remember that (laughs) if you have sex you will get aids and die and turn into a vampire and get fantastic clothing (laughs) that was never part of it but i think maybe you you should have brought that up oh Anne rice says uh... (laughs) well but i just i just mean you know that the Anne rice's vampires are very sensual and sexual there's also that death thing tied up in that and so and so i think that really sex and death really spoke to the zeitgeist of the eighties mm-hmm. and what we were all kind of going through. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, I've read, I only, I didn't read all of them, but I read several of those books and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Dracula since Bram Stoker and since it's become popular has been reimagined and redefined countless times. Just looking at this list of movies. And sometimes there is even a bit of a joke. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, some of my favorite movies are like I like Love at First Bite. <laughs> it's yeah, hilarious. it's a hilarious Dracula. You know, oh. <laughs> that he's basically a man out of time, essentially, and trying to get by. You know, just you know, find love. <laughs> That's all he wanted. Um, I mentioned uh, Nosferatu, but with Max Schreck as the vampire, they made a movie about that movie with Willem Dafoe. Years, right, William Dafoe mm-hmm. plays Max Schreck, who plays Count Orlock, uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Right. Uh huh. And the uh, um, spoilers. It, it doesn't matter because you're going to see this movie anyway. It's awesome. <laughs> the plot is they're making the movie Nosferatu. The guy they cast as Count Orlock is actually the vampire, played by Max Schreck. He's ama- or not Max Schreck, but uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. He's he's just fantastic. He's terrifying. Oh he scares yeah. Scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Even when he's not made up like a vampire, he's just a really <laughs> intense, scary actor. It's, fantastic portrayal and in that uh that movie they're they're really creating the recreating the vampire as a sympathetic character not playing up his strengths so much as his weaknesses his thirsts his inability to get satisfaction and and live emotionally as a human it's it's just amazing this movie and it's all in black and white just like the nosferatu film just Wow, blows your mind. What other good movies have we seen? Ooh, there were some bad ones, too. <laughs> of course there's bad oh, ones. The, the Blade se- uh, series. Yeah. Which That's... is just a shoot 'em up you know. Right, basically the vampires are like, I don't know, mafia families kind of stuff. Also, comparing the mafia <laughs> to bloodsuckers... Mm-hmm. Uh, society. Yeah. That's, That's where, I mean, yeah, because I think it's the first I've ever seen where like, they're different, like, Families clans. of vampires or clans of vampires. Oh, that, that was. That, I mean, because I know that's 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 out there, but I think that's the Blade movie was the first time that I've actually 
brought it to my to my thinking. It's like, oh, okay, there's different types of vampires. Right, Didn't but there White was Wolf come out. There that? was yeah, there's a series. But I never of, saw that movie. It's no, not no, no it's oh. a role playing game. game. Oh right, well I never the, played that game. Okay, back yeah, then, but you know, okay. like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. the, the White Wolf uh, vampire stuff has been out since right. But what that was late I was, 80s early 90s yeah, i was completely ignorant of that white wolf group until i moved here to austin many many years you know, yeah way after the 80s but I, th- I think blade could def- definitely uh took a page from the white wolves oh, as far oh, as oh, yeah. i think um, everything vampire after, families yeah everything yeah. after white wolf came out with their their vampire rpg it suddenly like recreated the genre different vampire clans with different powers and yeah. traditions mm-hmm. And suddenly, vampire was hot again. I mean, you remember for a while, vampire movies were coming out like all the time. Right. Everybody needs to make their own vampire. Dracula two thousand. Blackula two sequels. <laughs> well, Blackula came out in the eighties, but I'm I'm talking more about post White Wolf. Oh right. Okay. Um, oh. There's some some less than fantastic. What's what's Dracula her name? Movies. Kate Beckinsale. The the. Oh right, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, she ran around in a corset and tight leather pants and oh, oh, yes, underworld, uh, underworld, yes. yeah. yeah. So, underworld. so all of those and, were and that, that definitely very that white definitely wolf was pulling from white wolf, mm-hmm. both vampires and, and werewolves. werewolves. Yeah. So that's interesting. That sort of like recreated, redefined uh, Dracula and the vampire all over again with white wolf. Yeah, because that did that. I mean, I think that also kind of like. I mean, because I don't, I don't know too many per- goths personally, or at least if they are goth, I don't realize they're goth. <laughs> but it's like I know, like here in here in Austin, we have like these people, this group of people. I think they might have started with the with the RPG, but now they actually pretend like they're vampires all the time. Oh yeah, the, the, the vampire, vampire court, the vampire court here in Austin. I don't know anything about them. Are they goth um, or are they vampires? Who? What? How are they connected in this respect? I don't want to speak for them or how they self-define. Yeah, but they look goth, right? They they definitely look I mean, goth. They shop at Hot Topic. Toreador. <laughs> They're from Clan Toreador. Right. Yes. But I mean, so to I them, it's a lifestyle it. now for them to be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I, I respect it. That's fine. Because I mean, I, I'm steampunk. I don't dress up steampunk all the time because it's too damn hot. Um, mm. I'm weak that way. And plus, my job wouldn't really allow it. It seems it to me, I, I would say that an, an overarching theme of, of like all vampire myth you know, through all of these, mm-hmm. is that the vampires are supernatural creatures. They are who or what they are by virtue of whatever bloodborne illness or or disease or whatever you want to call it. It they have nothing to do with science or technology. Right. Yeah. They're they're not uh, they're not engineers. Well, they're not uh, they're not creators. One of the things that was. Mm-hmm. That was something that Anne Rice really put in was like when some of her vampires were living people, they were musicians or they were actors, they were artists. And then when they made the change and became vampires, they were no longer creative. Hmm. They no longer had that ability because that was a a property of having a human soul, which they no longer had. I I think White Wolf players would would disagree for their games. Uh, I think they would argue that, that vampirism accentuates and uh but name a vampire clan of the white wolf that that are that are engineers or that are scientists they're they're there's you know they these guys are are you know masters of ancient egyptian magic and these guys are masters of such and such a kind of magic and these guys they're theatrical 
um, but it's derivative. Right. It's, it's not modern. It's not science. Right. It's not uh, right. And so I would nuts and bolts. Yeah. So I would say that vampires and steampunk probably can't uh, can't coexist. <laughs> well, I don't agree with that either, because because vampires and and Dracula, if you like, are in steampunk novels all over the place. But like like Bram Stoker did in the first place, they're they're the opposing force to right. science and modern industrialism or what have you right and in the novel dracula is very curious about modern things Mm -hmm. but he's not able to master them but he masters people who have mastered them so to speak well it's easier than studying (laughs) (laughs) have someone do it for you yeah you go to college you find the nerd it's a You don't even know. <laughs> it's a drag having to control a nerd. <laughs> they hardly ever do what you want. <laughs> they get sidetracked so easily. I mean, I mean, yeah. In steampunk, there are very I mean, yeah. Vampires are in steampunk a lot. Like there's the the, the Parasol Protectorate series. That there's mm-hmm. vampires in that. That's true. I really need to get into reading those. I've got the first three. I, I have not bought them yet, but I I. I we met the author at Book People a couple years ago, and she is delightful. Absolutely delightful. Apparently there's another series called The Vampire Empire um, by Clay Clifford. Clifford, sorry. First one is called The Grave Friar. It's like a bad KFC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, most, because I just looked up, you know, vamp- vampires and steampunk, and this hmm. is a list of books that came up. There's the Iron Sea series. Called, the first one's called The Iron Duke by Melgen Brook. Well, I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula is definitely contemporaneous to, you know, the Victorian era and whatnot. But steampunk is about science and moving forward and progress and industrialism. Right. And, steam. And yes, harnessing the natural world uh, through scientific principles and understanding of uh, how things work. And vampirism is woo-woo magic. Which crosses over in steampunk a lot. In the last stuff I read, there's always some kind of magic. Um, it's whether, whether it be a magic rock or an antanium or... Ether. <laughs> ether or something. There's something... Philosopher's Stone. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah well, there's something not quite exactly science about it that runs things, you know, because... Yeah. Because, I mean, because what was that one, that one cartoon we saw? If you burn all the wood to make steam, you're out of wood. That's it. There's no more trees. What else are you going to do, you know? Kind Clean of burning petroleum. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, but I mean, most of steampunk is based on the fact that we haven't advanced our um, power making abilities. Like we don't have like we use coal or wood and we have to burn it to make steam to run our stuff. You know, we still have our our modern technology. Like we still have computers, but it's run off of steam somehow, um, you know, or some kind of unattainium. Like I said, some kind of magic rock. <laughs> Ether. Power. We, we don't have electricity that we plug into the wall. What? Like Wait this. a minute now. Well, maybe we do. <laughs> I, I think we're we're getting down in the weeds for uh, but getting, getting into what what constitutes steampunk and what doesn't. Um, yeah, you know, our rule of of two out of three is good enough. <laughs> uh, I, I agree that steampunk is about uh, industrialization and uh, um, harnessing uh, science for advancement of the human condition, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. That, that that's not like the only thing that makes things steampunk, right? No, and we look good too. 
Wait, you're damn right. Um, we dress I, I, nice. I agree that steam power of the age required the use of coal or wood or you know some sort of burning fuel to to create steam power and the steam engine of the time but that doesn't necessarily mean coal and wood burning are need to need to be steampunk true okay i agree with that i mean uh, like we, I said, we have we have nuclear power plants now that are effectively steam engines yeah i think that would make a really boring book but <laughs> but i guess it gets to the point like i mean we have steam we have like the the trains that are run by steam engines right. but then but nowadays it's they're diesel you know so but that's that's so that's a slightly that's different that, right. goes, that, that goes in that's the diesel not pump. steam anymore yeah you know, so I mean, we're basically we never made the leap into steampunk. Doesn't really make the leap into into diesel power, or you know, still right. run different ways. I mean, I, can, I like diesel punk as well. I mean, I, I have no. I, I guess I'm I'm trying to say there is a place for magic and the occult, especially. Oh yeah, the occult for in, sure. In okay. in the steampunk genre. All yeah, right, and, like that book right there, Doctor Cthulhu. <laughs> That's definitely a, a cult. Um, right there, and that steampunk is basically what happens. He, I think he wants to talk to Cthulhu or something like that. I haven't read it yet, but that's you know, but there's de- that's definitely very occult. Cthulhu is is big in in steampunk, on, you know, right? As we right. know, but I think that in in as such, uh, Dracula and uh, vampires and the forces of darkness uh, via occultism uh, definitely have a place in the broader steampunk world that we can explore um not necessarily you know to be our friends and to drive the bus <laughs> I hate it when vampires try to drive the bus but uh, definitely have a place De- definitely uh should not be neglected or or dismissed as not steampunk okay <laughs> Well, Perhaps I overstated def- my position there's slightly. Gray, there's definitely gray areas. There's, right, and and that's 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 where we play in, right? Steampunk mm-hmm. is totally gray area, right? Uh, <laughs> and like I said, and it crosses. I mean, it does cross the line into diesel punk or you know uh, stuff like that, which is fine. I have no mm-hmm. problem with mm-hmm. that. You know, I know some people out there argue that diesel punk is diesel punk and steampunk is steampunk, and that's... the two shall not cross. But it's like I'm okay with them crossing. <laughs> I think it all depends on how you do it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, electric lamps that plug into walls. Well, is that is that Tesla punk? Because <laughs> Tesla was wiring the world with electrical power. This is true. At, and, at, the, at the time. And and we all worship Tesla. So, <laughs> Well, maybe not worship, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, and then, you know, when you actually look at, at real time, real history, things aren't clearly delineated as far as... You know, this was the 1970s, and this is the 1980s. Everything shifts very gradually. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, right, right. yeah. 1899, steampunk ended. Right. <laughs> it didn't, like, didn't happen. Like, we, we no longer had any of these things once it became 1900. All of these things were immediately retired, and they were never spoken of again. I mean, that's just not how, right, it was that's all not gradual, how human yeah. progress works. You know, things spread differently and and. Uh, you know, urban versus rural versus, you know, technology spreads in different ways. Exactly, yeah. Culture spreads in different ways. Music spreads in different ways. Vampirism <laughs> spreads in different ways. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> Is there something you want to tell us, Max? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have to invite you in today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so dear. as we were doing research for this, you'd think we 
did research for this. I, I, I turned on YouTube this morning and said, what's oh, Dracula's about that? <laughs> you did more than I There's did, There's a apparently. new Dracula, new quote-unquote, Dracula Untold, which came out in 2014. Did yeah. you see that? I no, never I did even not heard watch about movie. it. I heard of it. I heard of it, but I never watched it. It looked really badass on the on the preview. It looked pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it's fascinating. Again, it's a completely reimagining, a redefining of what Dracula is. Mm-hmm. In this movie, I'm just talking about the the preview, so I'm not spoiling anything. But he's just like a commoner with a family, and the the. Uh, army i guess the persian army i don't know or ottoman ottoman, ottoman. no not the ottomans the uh, turks Turkish. doesn't matter doesn't <laughs> okay. matter they come and say you know we're we're taking your your son to join the the army so we can go to war and uh and the guy who would become dracul uh kicks their ass uh, kills the the soldiers who are uh, conscribing. So he was a commoner with some fighting skills, apparently. Right. Okay. And then he, uh, you know, I'm, I'm filling in a lot of gaps because it was just a preview. Right. But he finds out about this vampire who lives in a castle far up in a mountain, and he has to scale the mountain. You okay. Know? Yeah. Um, Trials and tribulations to get to his goal. Right. The hero's journey. Yeah. And uh, he gets up there and apparently impresses Dracula. One, I don't, <laughs> the, the demonic the, force the, which the, inhabits the castle, and it turns him into a, a all powerful, monstrous a vampire. Okay, okay. Uh, who then goes down and murders his enemies and saves his people. Uh, and I don't know where they're, go, where, they're, where they're going from there. And he's the uh, hero of the story, <laughs> but it's definitely a different character mm-hmm. than Dracula in Bram Stoker. He's not a. He, he's the bloodthirsty, crazy. Well, I don't. I don't know. Haven't oh. seen the movie yet. Oh. But he, you know, he's a commoner. He's not a, a aristocrat. Aristocrat, and uh, that that changes the dynamic quite a lot. Yes. As again, we're rewriting Dracula again to to fit a new narrative to make new points. I guess. Did you ever see the Netflix Castlevania? Yeah, cartoon. yeah, yeah. It was a, it was similar, I think. Uh, well, he, he he fell in love with a common woman, and then she got killed, and he went nuts. It was it was something like that. <laughs> I uh, I felt like I was trying to catch up the whole time. Like I didn't understand it. It like a story that starts in the middle. Yeah, it was kind of like that. And by the end of the the season, they've sort of introduced the first the, the characters, but I really don't know a lot about all of them, and I. <laughs> I'm I'm hooked. It was really well done. I wanted to see more. I hear there's I hear the next they're coming out with more soon. Okay. Don't know when exactly, but I've heard I read it somewhere. It, it's it's a it's an anime style. Yes. It's a, a, a cartoon. Very anime. Um. And that was really well done. Uh. There's only like six episodes, one there. Right. <laughs> and 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 shorts. It's not a mm-hmm. big commitment to to watch it. But yeah, I saw that. Um. I remember playing the video game on Super Nintendo, <laughs> Castlevania. I wasn't allowed to play video games back then. <laughs> but uh, anime has a lot of vampire stuff. Yeah, they do. Stuff. Uh, Helsing uh, is is a series that got really popular, and they've had spinoffs, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, where Helsing is not the doctor. He's the monster. Oh, okay. Uh, he, um, and it's, it's very, very visual, uh, really 
cool looking to watch. Uh, oh, we forgot to. Well, I don't know. If we're talking vampires, like Twilight. I hate those vampires. <laughs> um, uh, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I liked yeah. it when I was. I liked watching it, but then I realized it's. It's still a, like a hundred year old vampire going after a teenage girl. <laughs> That's just weird. I don't know. All these you know, much older you know vampire people or whatever. The in age wise, that, that what, is what, an what, excellent what? point. Twi- that happens in that happens in Twilight also. Th- that happens in Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? Yeah. Right. But it's okay because he's the villain. We're supposed to hate him anyway. Right. But when he becomes the hero and he's also a pedophile, <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't understand Dude. that. Yeah. But I, but I don't want it to make. I mean, but I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I hear there's going to be a reboot. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that uh, headline too. So maybe they'll be more age appropriate. I don't know. <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't know. I'm well, nowadays, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, nowadays with everybody being, you know, being so, um, you know, cons- consent, 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 and all this kind of stuff. I hope. I hope they're more. I don't know. I hope they they look at it better. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> Think about what you are trying to make, what you're trying to say with this piece. What kind of points yeah. you're really trying to make, and maybe not make the points that <laughs> you don't want to make. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, this, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's not much consent with vampires other than you have to invite them in. But once you invite them in, they can do whatever the hell they want. Right. That's kind of creepy. Although in, in Buffy the Vampire Show, there was a way to get rid of that invite. Was a, was a Revoke the invitation. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big spell you had to do, but it was still possible to do. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, and then I think it's even possible that even that even in in Bram Stoker's time there was a well, of course, because it was Victorian times. There's a lot of ambivalence about um, sexuality and consent and whether women should want it or not want it or you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of one of the terrible things that that Dracula did to to his victims was, you know, turned them into animals who horny had, sex sluts who had no uh, control over their oh yeah the, uh, the, the, Mina? The appetites the three the three the three the, vampires, the, wives, the wives yeah, yeah. oh I was thinking of her name was Lucy Mina. Lucy Lucy yes. and then Mina yeah who, who got sick mm-hmm. and lusty. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Yeah. And uh and so then that you know, that's a that's a I think that's a pretty common theme even into modern vampire stories is that there's this whole um people have complicated feelings about sex, you know? Um Do you think he was trying to say something not just about sex but as a uh, a woman's role in uh in sex and and a woman's role in in society generally possibly or or just sort of the making a statement about sort of the ongoing um you know even even the most diehard feminists in the you know many will will confess that they have fantasies of being overtaken or or uh consumed with with uh powerful lust feelings that that uh you know, I shouldn't want this brutal jerk, but he's just, you know, whatever. You're talking about you're talking about rape fantasies, right? And that we're not condoning rape. No, 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 but no. But there's no. a different. 
definite difference. There's between... a difference between rape and rape fantasy. Right. Because a, a rape fantasy, the woman is still in control of it because it's in her own mind. And and if you find a partner that will play this out with you, the partner is, you know, continually gaining consent or the consent is pre-granted before right, the, right. the playtime begins. The playing acting, role, but actually right. everyone is consenting. Right. And then you're pretending that this, you know, and, and, you know, romance novels, all, many of them have a scene where at first the, the young woman is, uh, you know, disgusted and horrified by the, the jerk guy. And, and there's usually a rape a lot, scene. A lot of rom-com and then, movies about that. And then they become, thing. you know, something happens. And, no, okay. and they, and they fall in love and then, mm-hmm. you know, read those novels. Right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's just a, it's a very common, uh, literary, trope mm-hmm. right um yeah. and 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 the vampire myth really kind of plays into that of you know what what women want versus what women say they want versus what society tells them they should want um you know and so i think the, the vampire myth really really plays with those with those ideas and feelings and that's probably another reason why and that's why Dracula is so popular it's not just horror but it's titillating right right, right. especially back in the day when they wrote it yeah Yes, yes. Oh, man. Yeah, there's just so much about it. It's crazy. And Move over, Lord how does Byron. It, how does it, I mean, <laughs> but how, I mean, we were supposed to be talking about goths. How does this tie into goth? I mean, I, I mean, how do they, besides the way they, they dress in black and stuff like that, how's that? Well, and like I said, it, we had the vampire, anything, we had the vampire court here, but we're not really, I don't, like I said, we don't know if they called, if they consider themselves goth or just vampires or what, you know, but the actual but, goth. How do they tie into to Dracula? I think or I goth think, friends. Well, I mean, I, I think goths uh, embrace Dracula and vampires. Is it like like how we embrace Tesla? Yeah, it, well, definitely that 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 whole uh, romantic period and the dark, tragic, lonely, flawed. I mean, it it really is kind of a Byron thing again. Mm-hmm. You know, is is that here is here is this ancient monster who is very compelling but is has no soul and therefore cannot love cannot truly be loved. You know, he can conquer women, he can possess women, he can control women or anyone really, but he's a sociopath. He's he's soulless, he's incapable of human feelings. And I think I think there's some romanticness to you know there I mean there are women that just threw themselves at Byron constantly wrote him letters and tried to seduce him and they were sure that they were going to be the one to to you know fix him fix him bring back his humanity break through the the wave of ennui that surrounded him whatever and and I think you know that's the whole you know when you're a teenager I mean. The goth thing starts when you're a teenager or right. when you're a pre-teenager. And so you've got this fear of, of being an adult. You've got this fear of, of sexual relationships. You've got um, uh, sort of conflicting ideas about sex and death and tragic romance and, and, and you know, the, this, this, this cynical, reserved kind of vampire persona is very compelling, and the use of lace and ruffles <laughs> and oh my god you're goth. 
Yeah, like I said, I didn't. The smoky eye. I was, yeah, I was not. I did not go anywhere near goth when I was growing up. I don't even remember very many goths in my school. You know, I mean, if they were there, they were really well hidden. <laughs> Staying to the shadows, I guess. Good, 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 good going, guys. <laughs> Because I never, I never saw them. I never noticed them. It's hard to be a goth in Texas. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, especially with, yeah, with all the black <laughs> and the heat. Yeah, same thing. I mean, it's hard to be a steampunk in Texas too because of the clothing. But yeah, I don't really have any experience with goths. I mean, I've run across several here in Austin. I mean, I mean, I go downtown to what was that? that what that bar? Elysium. Elysium. There's plenty of goths to hang out there. You know, but I don't. I never gone to any other balls. You know, we had the one thing with um with Russ that he put on with the with the, the sunset that we did. With mm-hmm. the bats, I mean, they they joined us for a little bit there. Then we went to Elysium with them, right? You know. That was fun. That was yeah. fun. Um, but I, I think I think to to Erica's point, Dracula via Bram Stoker really encapsulates a lot of these sort of feelings that that goths uh, embrace as well. That, that ennui, that uh, uh, <laughs> fascination with occult and old. Old world powers um, and lace and <laughs> dressing fancy, which we can relate to as steampunks. Yes, yes. Um, gotta gotta dress the part and look good. Uh, I I don't think we're in a very good position to explain why uh, Dracula is goth because we're not goths. Exactly. But uh, I, I certainly wouldn't argue that he is. Um, a maybe we can so, ask blue, maybe we can ask Blue Stocking. She said she was goth. We'll be talking more about about goth culture, and we'll get an interview or two with someone who actually knows about goth culture. That's a good idea. We can ask them, right? Why do you like Dracula so much? Next on <laughs> Ask a Goth podcast. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a I don't mean to plug, but there's a store called dracula.com that sells goth clothing right right well, okay so that's gotta be there's something happening something right going on. something going on there i love that website by the way <laughs> <laughs> oh i think we're running out of steam here and we we're over an hour oh no Uh-oh. so i think we're gonna have to call it call it here we'll probably maybe to be continued another time um we're gonna take a break we're gonna i'm gonna play a commercial or two and some music and then we'll come back to let you know if there's anything happening in the near future so We'll be right back. Abney Park has a new album in the works, and it's amazing. It's everything you've wanted from an Abney Park album. More steampunk than ever, more party than ever, more fantastic tales, but we need your help. Even though more people now listen to Abney Park than ever before, album revenue has fallen due to the world's proclivity to stream music instead of buying it, which means we bands don't get paid for the music we make. But albums still cost the same to make as always, from recording to mastering to manufacturing and distribution costs. Our albums each take a year of hard work, blood, sweat, tears, and laughs, and tens of thousands of dollars to make. But hold on, let's stop talking about money for a bit, and let's talk about some of the perks we'll give you for helping us get this album made. We've got a lot of little rewards, like patches and albums and board games, backstage passes to any Abney Park concert near you, autographed copies of our novels, Uh, but then we've got some bigger rewards. We're going to do a private party at Robert's Steampunk House, complete with a live concert from Abney Park in the Abney Park recording studios. We've done this once before, everybody had a blast. 
Or how about this? How about Captain Robert himself takes you on a treasure hunt on the waters of Puget Sound? Study an old treasure map and dig for buried treasure on a deserted island, all while hanging out with the band. Sounds like a great adventure, right? A decade ago, we had a major catastrophe. Our aging studio computer, in the heat of our then unair conditioned studio, overheated and died a cruel death. A month before our album, Ether Shanties, was finished. The whole album was lost. All the songs were gone, all the recordings and performances were gone, even the computer we recorded it on was gone. But Abney Park fans bonded together and chipped in and bought us a new studio computer. We then re-recorded the album on this new computer, and the rest was history, all thanks to you. But that was 10 years ago, and here we are again now with a 10-year-old computer that can barely wake up in the morning. Often new songs won't save after recording, the computer crashes all the time, and it's just so slow, limping along like the dinosaur that she is. And here we are with a new album, almost ready to go. So instead of taking the chance of losing everything, yet again, we decided to do what other bands are doing and fundraise our new album. I sure hope one of our perks appeals to you, and you contribute. Thank you guys so much. You are absolutely the smartest, cleverest, and most awesome fan base that any band could hope for. Sincerely. Steampunk Dollhouse Emergency Broadcast System. The podcasters you are listening to, in cooperation with library agent Blue Stocking, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of a library incursion. This is only a test. If this has caught your attention, you are instructed to tune in to the Steampunk Dollhouse, available on iTunes and most other podcatchers, for an in-depth and detailed breakdown of steampunk literature and how it applies to the current state of affairs in America and around the world. These are the discussions that need to be had, but you definitely won't be bored. My name is Blue Stocking, I'm a steampunk librarian, and I've got a microphone. I'll keep reading your rights for as long as you keep listening. This concludes this test of the Steampunk Dollhouse Emergency Broadcast System. Blue Stocking out.
right, that was uh, Goodbye Happiness by Birthright. You should check out the video. I'll put a link. It's a really fun video. Very well Steampunk produced. Steampunk vampires. Yeah. <laughs> they all have hats, so they must be steampunk. Yes, definitely. I never heard of Birthright before. I kind of like it. Yeah, uh, they're very retro rock. Like 80s rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, that was a little thing by, by Abney Park. They need your help for crowdfunding for their new album. They said it's more steampunk. <laughs> I want to go, go to their house party. What do we have coming up this month? Not a lot's coming up. We were about to hit August. And in August, there's August 17th, is Geek Fest, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Apparently. Ad um, nauseum. At na- <laughs> oh, wait. I just found out Space Corps is going to play there. Yay. And we like Space Corps. We've talked about them. We've seen them a few times now. And the last time they had like more band members. And I think they, they were looking for another guitarist. So, uh,. Yeah, because the first time, yeah, the first time we saw them, it was more intimate setting. There wasn't a whole lot of room, so there there was like two, three of them. And then second time they had a bigger stage, so they they brought they had. Well, the first time the the bassist was brand new, right? And uh, he was great, but he was clearly still learning some of their Mm -hmm. uh, their pieces. And then they have a drummer for this last time, Um, so uh, that's exciting. I, I like them. Right. And then, well, of course, that same weekend, August 18th, is a Sovereign Scrolls LARP. We've talked about that before as well. Right. They're trying to throw in some steampunk flavor into the LARP game, mm-hmm. which is live-action role-playing for those who are not in the know. It's a Boffer-style, lightest touch. Uh, yep. With, uh, with, with Nerf guns. Pew, pew. <laughs> they're, they're pretty fun, really nice people. You'll need join to them. join their Facebook group to see their event page, or their, their events listed on Facebook. But, uh, right. yeah. They're not spammy. <laughs> no, no, they're not. No. They're not. And since we were talking about vampires, we jumped ahead to October. October 20th is the Vampire Ball. Opera of Death is what they're calling it. At the Elysium. <laughs> At the Elysium. That, that goth club. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the only... I don't know if it's the only goth club, but it's the more prevalent one here in Austin. <laughs> so, so we can ask them why... Uh, wh- what are they? are they? Are they goth or, or what? <laughs> so that, that's all I found. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if there's anything out there that we missed... Contact us on Facebook, Texas Steampunk Connection. You can probably... When's Dragon Con? That is August, uh, the last week of August. And there's... Well, it's not in Texas, obviously. No, it's, but, it's in Atlanta. Uh, but that's, you said, long steampunk track. Yep, there's, there's going to be a, a steampunk ball a DJed by that darling DJ duo from the Clockwork Cabaret podcast that I listen to. I'm hoping to meet them in person and say hi and, you know, hello, fellow podcaster, steampunker. <laughs> And, you know, actually be friends with them. And that's all we know. Yep. Uh, for the summer. So, um, yeah. Yeah. If you happen to be going to Dragon Con, I'll be walking around. If you find me, say hello. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you know of anything else coming up in the fall as things are getting cooler, I know there's going to be more stuff happening. We yeah. just don't know what it is yet. I call it steampunk season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> clue us in so we can talk about it. Yeah. Because then we might want to go. Yeah, all we've been doing is taking Memphis swimming. <laughs> That's not very steampunk. No, no, I don't even have a Victorian swimsuit. <laughs> so like I said, yeah, contact us, Texas Steampunk Connection on Facebook, Twitter, um, Gmail. There's plenty of ways to contact us, so please do. Um, so I guess until next time, mind, mind your gauges. This has been the Texas Steampunk Connection, version 3.0. Opening and closing music by Tricyclo Circus Band. Excusez-moi. Thank you for joining us. We hope to see you out about one of our adventures. Or to join you on yours. We welcome your correspondence. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, fanboytv.com, 
or your favorite podcast outlet. Until next time, mind, mind your, your gauges. gauges.